Welcome to K-Drama School. I'm your host, Grace Jung, and class is now in session. It's okay not to be okay. It was written by a writer named Cho Yong, which is a pseudonym. Cho Yong literally means quiet, like Cho Yong. Cho Yong it. Cho Yong is a woman, but she keeps her identity pretty well hidden from the scene. She's a relatively new writer to TV. She's only written one other TV show before this called Jugglers, which I have never seen. And I found It's Okay Not to Be Okay quite progressive in terms of gender. It's similar to Search WWW in that sense. It's like I'm seeing a lot of young female writers writing very progressive, new, edgy kinds of uh, female protagonists, which I really appreciate. So, for instance, like the wealth and sexual agency belong to the female character, Komunyoung, on this program. And what I appreciated about this show is how it gives the main protagonist the freedom to feel and express resentment towards her parents without feeling forced or obliged to or obligated to forgive. That's transgressive because it sort of undoes this filial piety expectation. When it comes to trauma, the person who experienced it has the right to arrive at their healing at their own pace without the force of filial piety or social norms or expectations, even in the face of death of their own parents. And this show really gets into that um, in a very frank way. And I thought that was quite progressive. This show explores mental disability quite a bit. One of the primary settings on this show is a mental institution. Um, and it, it, it just, it has a lot of mentally disabled people as characters. And that's something I've been noticing increasingly on Korean dramas. Uh, I think it's important that this show has a character with PTSD from the Vietnam War, which points to a very real history in Korea. So the character Kan Pil-ong, played by Kim Ki-chan, plays a man who suffers from PTSD after serving in the Vietnam War, where he apparently had killed some people. And during the Vietnam War, the United States recruited over 300,000 Korean soldiers, South Korean soldiers, to serve in that war. And another 100,000 civilian Civilian Koreans were recruited to work in Vietnam for the U.S. war cause. This is a very violent history that Korea deals with because the Korean War trauma is not too long ago in the Korean memory. And Koreans were recruited to fight in a war that they did not believe in or have any stakes in. They had zero interest in it. Pretty much everybody who served in that war did so because they needed money. And fighting as a mercenary soldier brought an income to Korean families, who at the time, many of them were struggling to rebuild after the Korean War. And the cause for the Americans fighting in Vietnam is pretty much the same reason why Americans fought in Korea. It was to fight communism and to keep the military-industrial complex stimulated. 
right? And the PTSD that the Korean soldiers returned with after fighting in the Vietnam War is something imbued not only with shame, but also with confusion and identity complex because the U.S. dealt with a lot of flack for being such a racist country. I mean, it still is, as we can tell. And Korea was used as a way to prove that the United States was not racist, although the entire world was watching Americans beating down black citizens who were marching for civil rights at the time. And a lot of their efforts to combat this negative image that the United States had um, sort of ended up, you know, with like U.S. campaigning to adopt Korean babies and to uphold this wholesome Christian, non-racist and benevolent image that was completely constructed out of, you know, a sort of defensiveness, right? And a denial that the, that that Americans, white Americans, are racist. And the recruitment of Korean soldiers to fight in the Vietnam War was also used as a claim against those who called the Vietnam War a racist war. And they were like, well, we got Asians fighting alongside too, so there you go. Americans have a lot of pent-up resentment towards, towards Asians, right? Especially the Japanese. This is a resentment that they acted upon by rounding up Japanese Americans and locking them up in prison that they called internment camps, right, during World War II. But the U.S. also bombed the shit out of Japan during World War II, and they, and they fought in the Korean War immediately thereafter, which killed nearly 4 million Koreans, or probably more. That number is still, it's nobody's sure because so many people died. And to erase this image, this negative image that America has, they... Um, they started hiring Korean troops to fight in Vietnam, and they took advantage of poor civilians. This history of fighting in the Vietnam War haunts Korea to this day. It's something that's not taught in many history classes, of course not in the United States, hardly ever in Korea, but it's a history that is worth acknowledging because it happened not too long ago. I like that It's Okay Not to Be Okay uses classic fairy tales as titles and motifs for each episode. I love the costume design and the production design on this show. I thought both were amazing. And Ko Young's outfits are, like, always breathtaking. I'm always like, where did she get those shoes? Where did she get that purse? Where did she get that dress? I also loved her hair and makeup. I don't know who did her hair and makeup, but I thought it was amazing. And I just have a huge cr- crush on Seoyeji. Like, I already said this, but I think she's, like, really hot. I remember seeing Seoyeji in a really weird sitcom years ago called Potato Star. So given that she's done sitcoms, like, this this sort of makes sense because she has a very comedic sensibility and ability on it's okay not to be okay. But I genuinely felt like her performance outdid uh, Kim Suyun's. Yeah, I think Kim Suyun is a really hot piece of ass and really great to look at, but I think Seoyeji is a far superior actress, genuinely. I also think that she's more attractive than he is because she's got that voice. I think she has this amazing cool deep voice that's extremely captivating. Kim Soo-yeon's cameo appearance in Crash Landing on You was pretty much to advertise the fact that he was going to be in this show, this TVN drama, right? This Studio Dragon drama. Um, and this was Kim Soo-yeon's first TV show appearance after his military conscription duty. So it was nice to see Kim Soo-yeon back on the small screen. Oh Jung-se plays Moon Sang-tae, the autistic older brother. 
And Oh Jung-se has been an actor for a really long time, since like the late 1990s. And he usually plays supporting roles and like does a lot of character acting. I think he's a pretty great actor. I think he's really good. He was also in When the Camellia Blooms with Kong Yo-jin a year prior to this show, and he won an award for that role. He was also nominated for an APAN Star Award for his role in It's Okay Not to Be Okay. Today's guest is Kristen Lundberg. She's a comedian and actress based in Los Angeles. She was named one of the top 1,000 comedians in the 2017 Thrillist. She was also on NBC's America's Got Talent. And she has a YouTube channel called Mammy Spanks. She's really funny. She's a dear friend. Let's talk to Kristen Lundberg. Uh, but you found a, a place pretty fast. Yeah, I, I went on Craigslist. I Basically, like, me and the roommate, we, like, we, like had, a, we had a fight. She... Yeah kept coming into my room, kept asking yeah. me for, you know, just like to do, do this and do that and don't do this and don't do that. And she'd come in there when I was talking to having conversations, you know, to my friends about her. Sometimes that shit got hella awkward. Yeah. And then one day I was like, while her parents were there, I was like, do you, do you guys need anything else? Cause I need some privacy, you know, cause they kept coming in and coming in and Parisa like went off and she's like, Oh, you like she she came into my garage and was like, oh, I went to medical school and I'm working during a pandemic and you're just a wannabe actress <gasps> and uh, yeah all this stuff and I'm like, dude, first of all, I I I got booked for to play Valkyrie in a promo mm-hmm. for Clash of Clans mm-hmm. on the internet. All right. So I'm not a wannabe actress, all right? Just because the project COVID canceled doesn't mean I'm a I'm I'm a real actress, dude. So she came up in there with a attitude, and I was like, you know what? I'm why don't I just go on Craigslist, you know, see what we could find. Yeah, but yeah. I mean, you you already knew that this would happen. You know, you yeah, were... man, I was prepped, man. I was prepped. Were... I knew the doomsday was coming, yeah. or I'd have to leave. God, it was such a beautiful little garage. Like I it loved was, it. <laughs> it was, and you know, yeah, a little outdoor space. Yeah, it was. It was so nice. But you know, this place is coming together. I just need to scrub. I need to scrub the floor. It was, it was dirty. It definitely like some dudes came in here, cleaned it like what they thought was clean. <laughs> yes no i mean i'm glad you got out of there because like the stories you would tell me i was just like (laughs) even before you moved in i was like you see the magnitude of like the red flag i thought i could like i thought i could get my way with her like i thought like maybe she would come around maybe i could reason with her you know yeah dude i just i i gave her too much credit you can't expect a work out of f students She might have been an A student in med school, but as far as like having a conversation goes, F student. (laughs) Yeah, like in terms of a social life, yeah, she doesn't know how to hold one up. I can't believe she pooped in it. She pooped in the shower while I was showering. What? Oh my god! Yeah, yeah, she she pooped in the shower while I was showering. She unlocked the door. I didn't even know she could do that. I'm like, is she trying to impress me right now? Like like, you locked it, and then she unlocked it from the outside. Yeah. Yeah, it was like a latch door. So she she like popped her little finger in. Oh my god. I'm Dude. just like, man, you're so invasive. Like, I don't I don't know. I guess like she really had to go. It was it was bad, dude. 
people with no boundaries like that, they're just pig people to me. It's just, no. Yeah. There are certain things that you should just never do. Doesn't she have an extra bathroom in that big house of hers? Not an extra one, no. No? No, just just the one. It's a little bathroom, but, you know, I was only in there, like, I was hardly ever in that bathroom, man. I only went in there, I did my business, I got the hell out of there. Yeah. The thing is, like, we've all been in that position where like you know we have a roommate and the roommates in the bathroom oh we need to take a shit like that's happened right yeah but what do yeah. we do what do we do we hold it in you hold it yeah you exactly. hold it and you wait you tell them okay? to hurry up you say hurry up hurry up or you might poop your pants a little bit still it's your fault <laughs> why are you putting yourself in eating bullshit to put yourself in a position where you're gonna poop your pants I mean, regardless, regardless, like we would never pop open a door that our roommate is using while taking a shower to go in and take a dump while they're in the shower with all that steam, you know, like really, dude, I used to live with an A, A list West Hollywood bear. Okay. Part of the bear, like the gay leather daddy community. Uh And he would never do something that aggressive. Like, (laughs) (laughs) you know what I mean? And he and he likes to be whipped with leather. <laughs> so, <laughs> where have all the gay leather daddies gone? <laughs> That's a song I'm singing. Where are my BDSM daddies? <laughs> you started acting out in Ohio, right? Where you're from? Yeah, I started acting when I was in high school, and I got into comedic acting more specifically in, like, the high school drama and stuff like that, and then Mm -hmm. I was getting near, like, graduating high school, and I started trying stand-up, and, like, the stand-up in my town was very Jeff Foxworthy, (laughs) and (laughs) I, like, did not did not vibe well with that because mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I feel like I'm a more al- alternative you know mm-hmm. look kind of like punk rock vibe mm-hmm. <laughs> but these <laughs> dateners are all like you know you know you're a redneck when <laughs> right right yeah. and you were up there with your your hair and your violin well when did you start incorporating the violin into your act uh, in Chicago, I started doing that, and oh. I started playing violin when I was like 12 years old, and I went all through like the orchestra program through my middle school and high school, and did all that, and then I graduated, and um, yeah, I kind of played for the Salvation Army, like outside Kroger, where they would like ring the bell, and I I would bring a violin. And, what would you play? You know, like we would collect carols? money. Yeah, I would play. I would play a lot of Christmas carols, like Handel's Messiah. I would try to play because we played the whole Handel's Messiah for a concert one time, so uh-huh. I knew the whole thing. Like I had the whole book, and I would play that, and people would be like, "Yeah, that's good." And like some people would be like, "Play Jingle Bells," and <laughs> I always hated that. I always hated that. I'm like, "Oh, fuck Jingle Bells, dude!" Like <laughs> yeah. I'm playing the real shit right here. <laughs> And I remember I got hired for a party to play jingle or to play jingle bells basically the whole entire time. Like this guy, like he was pretty rich. He like owned Kroger's or something. 
and like had me come over to his Christmas parties a couple years and he would take me around to every group at the party and be like, play Jingle Bells for these people. Check this oh out. God. Check this out. Play Jingle Bells. That's horrible. <laughs> it's 200 bucks. But yeah, oh. so I, I played violin for a long time and then like I started doing stand up in my in my late teens, early twenties, moved to Chicago, was doing stand up there for a while, doing you know, some you know, kind of like underground, like really kind of blue humor kind of stuff. And then I'm like, you know, it'd be funny if I incorporated like a real uh fancy instrument that's why mm-hmm. I'm saying all of this really crude stuff. Mm-hmm. And so I just thought it was funny, like the dichotomy of it. And I also kind of wanted to um, just be different, you know, and like kind of like balance the line between like, oh, what's a musical comedian? What's a stand-up comedian? You know, I didn't want to like fall into either category necessarily. So like I would like, you know, play with the the punchlines and really make sure that my act has punchlines in it. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, uh, try to just with like stand up to that standard and have that, but yeah, dude, it was, it was like, it was all like experimental and weird. And I definitely had my moments where I'm like, I hate this. Like, why did I bring this violin up here? How could I, I'm so dorky and like, you know, like it's so bad. It's so bad. And like feeling like that. Because, like, I wanted to be good at the violin. I actually wanted to be, like, in an orchestra professionally, I thought. Yeah. For, like, like a the Philharmonic first... kind of situation? Yeah, yeah. When I was, like, going through middle school in the first, like, like year of high school, maybe, I was like, yeah, I want to be, like, the first violinist, you know? Hmm. Like, first the best chair. violinist. First chair. And now I make jokes about duct taping the first violinist to the first chair. So... <laughs> Yeah, it's like I win. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I know that you don't like to be categorized in either in either of those um, boxes. Uh, I remember like this was when we had kind of like when we had first met. It was like early on, and um, I was like, oh, I was like, you know, there's another musical comic. Um, I was talking about I think Morgan J. I was like, yeah. Trying to, I was t- trying to talk about the morning show. I was like, yeah. There's another musical comic that I saw, and you were like, I'm not a musical comic. I was like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, this is a, a a sore spot for her. And you were like, is Zach Galifianakis a musical comic? Is <laughs> is Sarah Silverman a musical comic? I was like, okay, <laughs> I get it. You're not a musical comic. <laughs> like I was Hashtag like, okay, not musical comedy. <laughs> Right, right. Musical comedy. That's the differ that's the differentiating kind of thing. Musical <laughs> comic is one thing, but being a music performing musical comedy is a whole nother thing. Yeah. Mm. Well, I think the difference is like I imagine a musical comic is like writing a bunch of songs yes. and just they're playing songs that they wrote, which mm-hmm. is not what I'm doing. I'm I'm right. stealing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm stealing yeah. songs. That that are public domain, but I'm not writing them, you know. Right. So, and yeah, and I don't do like sound effects and like right. stuff like that either. That's mm-hmm. like goofy. I don't, I, I'll 
I mean, I'll make it sound ugly, mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's not like, I don't know. It's- yeah, you don't sing your punchlines. Let's put it that way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. no. Yeah, definitely. There's no, yeah, there's no yeah. lyrics. I think uh, bringing an instrument like the violin, which is very sophisticated and uh, elegant and like, you know, highbrow, so-called, right? Um, right? And bringing that onto the stage and then doing something that's like considered bass you know, performance, like stand-up comedy, which is very, considered very like, you know, like, like, it's like something you watch at the cellar, you know, in the cellar or a basement hole, not at like a philharmonic kind of, you know, orchestra sort of theater, right? And um, yeah, yeah, I I like that sort of, that, that interplay as well. It's interesting, you know? Yeah, thanks. Yeah, dude, it's a, and violin's like the edgiest instrument, I think, too. I always felt like it was the mm. most goth. And I wanted <laughs> I wanted to be so dark and goth, you know? Because <laughs> I just, I want to go against the norm. I want to go against the norm. I'm like, I want to, okay, I want to do stand-up. I want to be philosophical about it, okay? And I'm like, wait a minute. If I'm a stand-up and I'm up here just doing stand-up, I'm not going against the norm in stand-up. How do uh-huh. I fuck that up? Yes. <laughs> Yes, yes, you yes. You just bring Go my fiddle up here and be like, no, I'm not a musical comedian. No, I'm not. And then everybody mm-hmm. is like, what? What? <laughs> <laughs> right, right. I get it. Yeah, I do. I do know you're attracted to the whole goth thing. Your friends are very goth. Like, <laughs> yeah. Like, like Mia Mars, yeah. like, she's like the quintessential goth yeah. comedian in the scene. Alex, yeah, Alex Felixson, she's another dark one. <laughs> yep, yep. And we met in Chicago. Um, yep. yeah, I don't know. I just, uh, I, I feel comforted by that. I guess my friends growing up were, um, heavily influenced by their older siblings, like, and their older siblings, like Marilyn Manson and ICP, mm-hmm. and like you know, the kind of darker, edgier stuff. And yeah. so my friends kind of emulated their older siblings. And then I was like, oh, okay, well, I'll, I'll emulate your older siblings too. Cause I didn't have any older siblings. Cause you're the oldest. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Had to chart your own terrain. I kind of right. understand that too. Like um, all my friends, when I was younger, they all had like older brothers for the most yeah. part. And like, I envied that so much because like, these bitches had like protection, you know, when they went yeah. to school. You know, right. I'm like, fuck. I wish I had protection when I went to school, or like know, just, right? just like cred. You know, it's like, oh, that's so and so's little sister. You know, right. like like the upperclassmen just giving you that recognition is just like that felt that right. looked so nice, and I was so envious of that. So yeah, I I, I get that, and like I yeah, didn't nobody's have- threatened by like art guinea pigs. Or <laughs> yeah, and like. Oh, my God. <laughs> Stick Henrietta on them. <laughs> Let out the pigs. <laughs> and it's like, it's like you know, um, we didn't have like somebody to look up to to be like, oh, like oh, that's good music or that's a, yeah. a movie to kind of watch and like, you know, it's like part of the zeitgeist and like that's something you name, that's something you reference, you know, like. Yeah, um, having an older sibling is sort of this uh, a, a way. It's a guide into culture, you know, like your first yeah uh, 
taste into culture i feel like that's what older siblings yeah. are and so and because you and i didn't have that we had to do it on our own and that's why you have this this violin situation right how do you break <laughs> out of the mold it's like it's almost yeah. like this resentment of what is already classified or categorized as the thing in the mainstream it's like we're like no 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 we're not about that you got to do something alternative to that because secretly yeah. we wish we had that when we were younger and we just <laughs> didn't have it right it's like fuck you bitch fuck you and your basic ass brother's recommendations i got my own shit going on i'm gonna go be the discoverer right, right. yeah mm -hmm. dude well i taught her brother i taught her brother how to play chess oh, I, nice. I remember it yeah because my dad and uh his side of the family liked to play and i taught him how to play chess and dude was crazy good at chess and then oh. I'm like, I fucking hate how cool this guy is. And like, <laughs> like, dude, how, it, like, he would, he, I remember one time he told me how he was going to defeat me. He was like, first, I'm going to take all your pawns, and I'm going to take your two knights, and I'm going to take your two rooks, and then your two bishops, and then your queen and your king. And he literally did it. Oh, my gosh. He was, wow. like, really, really, like, this guy was a smart dude, and, like, we we looked up to him an awful lot, like, yeah. and he he just like went to raves and shit and wanted to be a DJ, <laughs> but then like was really like really good at chess for some reason. <laughs> yeah, he was so intelligent, and then he wasted it by going to raves and becoming yeah. a DJ. <laughs> exactly, dude. <laughs> Is there like another city that you'd want to move to? Because I know you went from Dayton. You went from Dayton to Chicago, right? Yeah. Well, I went then... from Dayton to Cincinnati. Oh, right. To Chicago, but Dayton and Cincinnati are really close. Sure. Um, yeah, I, I went down to Cincinnati and then Chicago, and then I lived in Tehachapi, California for a month because what? I was where, staying I with my friend. It's up in the mountains. It's part of Kern County. It's like up north of Lancaster, north of... Whoa. It's out in the boonies, man. Uh, and I lived there on this mountain that got snow and like all this like i don't know inclement weather and i was just there for a month because i was trying to find a place in los angeles mm -hmm. but i mean that would be the place i would want to live <laughs> just in up in the yeah because air air quality and just you know i just feel like it's nice and quiet mm-hmm yeah i that that i could really go for too and i was also yeah. thinking like, oh maybe i could go to like joshua tree now now that it's the winter and we yeah. won't fry to death because um when you and i went it was in peak peak heat in july and uh we both lost our minds <laughs> out there bean season yeah we, <laughs> Apparently bean it was season, like... we buried our souls in the sand out there they never came <gasps> back with us but uh yeah right um okay uh i saw you were working you you had like auditions and stuff was there a, an interesting oh yeah shoot or no there's just like a couple of commercial auditions floating in i have mm -hmm. one for mitsubishi uh <laughs> another one for i don't know it's just called the spot was just called greatness in the making and uh they had me improvise the plant dying and then coming in and like trying to rescue it and i was like no you know and i tried to take i tried to tape it i put like tape around I'm like maybe if i tape it and i'm like guy upstairs who snores all the time come snore on my plant 
talking to your friend while knitting, talking to your friend about how to, you know, get a man. Oh my god. Basically. <laughs> <laughs> Which my answer to that is you don't need no man. <laughs> <laughs> That's how you get one. You just act like you don't want one, you know? Like <laughs> <laughs> I just took my first like acting class. Mm-hmm. in LA yesterday I took it online oh, wow. and mm-hmm. I was very like I was like holy shit like some of these actors are picking scripts that are very heavy and they're like you know starting to tear up and they're like able to like really really nail the you know making me believe mm. them you know they're nailing it and like I'm just like holy, holy shit dude like hold the phone uh yeah I don't know about all that <laughs> can't do that I don't know if I could do that <laughs> yeah that's what I mean it's like you have to be um, versatile yeah. in many ways it, and, and that's also a tricky thing like as a comic because you're also navigating that like that's also an image it's also you right like right. being being a comedian is um it's easier for for people like you and I than being a dramatic actor because we get to hide a lot, you know, like humor as a defense mechanism yeah. or humor as a shield or an armor. We're, we're breaking tension. And, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And they're they're causing it. <laughs> yeah, they're just building it, building it. And we're just like, oof, like we really need a, a poop joke right here, right now, you know? <laughs> like immediately poop jokes poop jokes are apparently yeah they're too they're too much for anytime i've said a poop joke in a professional setting they've nixed it (laughs) (laughs) i think they're great apparently they're like in a professional setting though they're like the equivalent to a rape joke like what poop poop humor is not what kind of professional setting like commercial settings like where i'm auditioning for yeah Yeah, okay. In a commercial setting, I think I understand why they don't want you to talk about poop. It's like, <laughs> it's like you know, like at Disneyland or Disney yeah. World, you're never allowed to sh- yeah. show trash, you know, or yeah. disturb the, like, break the illusion whatsoever. Like, that's what commercial and advertising yeah. is. It's just constructed plastic materiality. Nobody poops. Nobody, nobody um has periods like there are no bodily functions to speak of it's only like a clean mitsubishi vehicle nobody cries nobody cries there's no sadness there's just only smiling things working out ambition ambition only (laughs) yeah they always say that they always say ambitious look an aspirational look which is the same look as pooping Dude, she was like, she also said, uh, she's like, I like you better when you smoke pot. And then I was like, I don't like you at all. (laughs) And apparently that like set her off the hinges. And then she started blaming me for breaking everything. She's like, you broke my toaster oven and you broke my aloe plant and you stole this Tupperware container. I'm like, I was using it. (laughs) 
but take it back. I don't need sriracha sauce that bad. I'll dump it out. And I've like, I've gone to some parties. I went to Houston. I did go, I did like, I did stay good most of the time, but there are some, there are like a few times where I like, yeah, I jumped on a plane a few times. So, and I, I wore the mask and stuff, but like when I was in Houston, I was with a bunch of conspiracy theory people and they were doing running underground stand-up comedy shows and nobody's wearing a mask and we're sharing joints and we're drinking and it's like I did that I did that because I was like you know fuck it here we go COVID here I come I don't know (laughs) (laughs) wow I don't know I kind of had this theory to myself I was like as long as I like try and drink some hot tea uh when I come home uh kill anything that might be incubating okay that's and then like you know I I do yoga and exercise every day so yoga tea and exercise the COVID away yeah just general health gut health probiotics eat a little bowl (laughs) sauerkraut every now and then (laughs) and sauerkraut there you go broccoli eat some raw broccoli vegetables fortified okay fortified keep adding things yeah broccoli what else cheese cheese <laughs> goat cheese mozzarella cheese that's just, for, that's just for my teeth i just eat some cheese and just don't oh yeah yeah you don't need fluoride or toothbrush just cheese <laughs> thank you i'm trying to rebuild my enamel with cheese and, and and with green tea they say that green tea helps too <laughs> To all the dentists out there, you better watch out because green tea and cheese are gonna <laughs> replace you. <laughs> yeah. Um. All right. Let me ask you some flashcard questions. Okay. The show that um I was discussing in this episode is called "It's Okay Not to Be Okay," and it's about mm-hmm. a children's book author, a goth children's book author. She's um, she is clinically sociopathic. All right. So okay. Has like sociopath traits and tendencies. Um which means to, what? Like a which means like like she, she lacks empathy. Um okay. she lacks the ability to like read people's situations and feel empathetic towards their situations. Like it's like she's very yeah. like self selfish and you know. Um yeah, but it's due to trauma. Okay. She has a lot of trauma that you know from childhood. Um, Okay, so that's her. And uh, the guy she has a crush on is, he works as, how do I say, like, you know, those people at the mental asylums that are like the muscle, like they, they're like the security people. Yeah, yeah. He's a security person at a, a mental institution. And he has an older brother who is autistic, like severely autistic. And uh, he's so so he's been his older brother's sole caretaker because he and his brother okay. are orphans. Yeah. Okay. Um, and uh, this love sort of bond develops between this children's book author and this um, like guard, like security person, basically. Okay. Um, but yeah, they have a complicated past. So that's the show. Um, and it's it's quite a good show. I I enjoy it. So anyway, let me let me ask you yeah. this. So if Let's say you're the young boy. Uh-huh. You're the young boy with an autistic older brother. Okay, you're about 12 years old. You're like in middle school. Your brother is in high school, but he's autistic. Yeah. And your mother, one drunken night, okay, she was very drunk. And she gives you a hug in the middle of the night and says to you, 
that she gave birth to you so that you can take care of her autistic son when she dies? What do you do? Oh, what do I do? Well, I would probably just be like, okay, mom, and take care of the autistic son. (laughs) Because, uh, yeah, I would probably um, be like, damn, like, that's some truth, you know, the shit you couldn't tell me when I was, when you're sober. (laughs) And And when you're not 12. (laughs) and yeah you know because that's how that's how trauma works you're 12 years old and you don't know any better and you're just like okay mama says that I'm gonna be my my brother's dad now so (laughs) you become your brother's dad like you don't think like this is fucked up or this is weird like I don't know I would probably just like do it also because you know, I'm 12 years old. It's like, that's like a pretty, like, brain, like, your brain's pretty developed there. You can know what's going on. And, like, you probably have love for your brother at that mm-hmm. point. Like, real love, not like, you know, the love that we're born with in our heart, you know, like, right. developed, like, your brain also loves him and shit. So mm-hmm. I'll probably just like doing real love with my brother. Okay. And I mean, I have a younger sister, so I'm like, I don't know. Was when somebody told me my younger sister was autistic, and I had to like be stuck with like you know this autistic younger sister all through my career in Hollywood and stuff like that. You know, that's what that's what uh that that's what stars are made of. You know, <laughs> it's like a defeat story. You know, that's a story. It's like an overcoming. You know, that's a that's you know yeah. You, I'll be like, man, you're really gonna make me fight for it, aren't you? Like, <laughs> all right, fucking <laughs> bring it. But that makes an interesting. It makes for an interesting story to have to take care of somebody like that. I had an aunt growing up. My aunt Tammy was uh, handicapped. And she was she was deaf, and she mm-hmm. also couldn't walk, mm-hmm. and she couldn't talk. Mm-hmm. Um and yeah, like, it was kind of weird communicating with her, but it was like, you know, it was like, because I had that experience of communicating and learning sign language and, mm-hmm. you know, figuring out the different ways you can make people laugh, you know, mm. not just with words, but with how uh, mannerisms and stuff. Right. Like, it was like an enriching experience. Yeah. You know? Okay. All right. Okay. Let's say um, your autistic older brother signed a contract with this sociopathic children's book author who has a crush on you. And her terms state that he must live in her mansion for the duration of the work period. And she did this because she likes you so much and wants to force you to move into her house. What do you do? Call police. (laughs) Then I'm calling the fucking police. (laughs) really that's not my mama that's not my family that's like a weird lady that's a third party get her out of here (laughs) all right and this situation is a little too close to home for you because you just got out of a situation like that where you were living in a house with a nut yeah i thought about calling the police on her i'm like dude if she fucking does anything (laughs) 
cool. Call the cops. All right. Authorities. All right. Yeah. <laughs> so, so let's say uh, when you were young, okay, your mom screamed at you and she beat you for not looking after your autistic older brother. So you left the house while shouting that you wish that your brother was dead and your autistic brother chases after you and that he falls into some thin ice and you initially walked away wishing he'd die, but you eventually returned to save him. And then years yeah. later, years later, he confronts you about this incident publicly and asks why you left him to die. What do you do? Um, well, 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 it's public. So we gotta be careful here. <laughs> okay. Cause I don't know about this kid, but I have an acting career, so I can't. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I might I might even go as far as say I didn't do that. <laughs> oh, just deny it. Uh I might be I mean like there's a bunch of things that come to mind. I'm like I had to go pay pay a parking meter. I had to go check on something. There is an emergency. I knew yeah. I knew you were okay. I thought you were fake. I thought you were faking it. I thought you were doing this shit where you're like you're always faking being more hurt than you actually are. So I thought you were faking it. Yeah. Yeah. And the meter was and the meter was running. Yeah, you had to put another quarter in the meter. That was a bigger emergency than you falling through thin ice and and drowning. <laughs> oh, wait. Okay, so he was falling through thin ice and drowning. Yeah, he fell through. through a giant puddle. Okay, I was imagining he slipped and fell and was laying on thin ice, but he fell. No, no, he's in the water. It's like this frozen lake kind of situation. I don't know why there were kids playing in a frozen lake in the first I place. Was, but... I was going. I was going to get help. I couldn't help you. There, right. There were two. There was more thin ice it would it would have swallowed us both mm -hmm. how would mom feel if she lost two sons in one day plus i'm the young younger non-autistic one so i'm gonna go <laughs> oh my god i was going to... <laughs> oh my god i was going to get a stick i was going to get a stick to put in right right dip it yes. in grab you because you big dumb ass would have pulled me in <laughs> yeah yeah, like, yeah, you were never running away. You were going to get a stick to rescue. Yes. I mean, okay. dude, maybe in that moment, okay, let's say, yeah, all right, because here's where my morals are. Mm. Maybe in my, maybe in that moment, yes, I did want him to die. Mm. And I'm not going to lie publicly and mm -hmm. say, I didn't want you to die or anything like that. I'm not going to lie. Mm -hmm. Okay. But I will talk to him about it later. It'd be like, you know, I just wanted you to die in that moment, but we're cool. We're not like, you know, I was just a, I was a kid and I just like had a lot of resentment for you. Mm. But seriously, don't ever bring that shit up in public ever again. <laughs> kill you. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. That's reasonable. All right. Final, final question. So when you were a child, 
You're the same boy, okay? When you were a child, your your mother was murdered by somebody, and nobody caught the perpetrator. But one day, you find out that the mother of the sociopathic children's book author that you're now dating, the one that you're currently in love with, her mom murdered your mom. What do you do? Her mom murdered my mom. Yeah. Your lover's mother murdered your mother. I mean, I just think call police. Call police on <laughs> Really? Even though you're in love with this person? She doesn't have to know I called the police. Oh, okay. But, I mean, it's her mom. I don't give a shit about her mom. Hmm. It's not her. Yeah, it's not her. She didn't do it. It was her mom. But, yeah, so I would probably just, like, separate the two and be like, yo, I'm, you know, maybe low-key, I'm not going to say anything because she might murder me, you know. <laughs> Apple doesn't fall from far from the tree. Yeah. So I would probably secretly just, like, avenge my mother's death. <laughs> oh. <laughs> All right. Well, well then, yeah. let me switch the situation around. Y you're the... You're that sociopathic children's book author, okay? You're very alone, okay? You feel very lonely all the time. Mm -hmm. um, and you're in love with this guy. Like, you love him so much, you know? Mm -hmm. You want him around all the time. And then you find out that your mom killed his mom. What do you do? Mm -hmm. I don't know. How did she kill him? The mo she, her mother killed his mother, I think, yeah. with a knife. Like stabbed her to death. Stabbed her to death. Yeah. You know, that's another, that's another door that just doesn't need to be opened. <laughs> okay. I just wouldn't. It's very midwestern of you. We're just gonna shove that down. We're just gonna drink. <laughs> we're just gonna drink a little alcohol and shove it down. Yeah, a little, a little hot tea, a little broccoli. Yeah. <laughs> That'll take care of it. Just shove that shit down, way down in there, and uh... <laughs> yeah, because I wouldn't want to mess up my relationship with my uh, boyfriend that I loved so yeah. much. So I probably wouldn't do that, but. I don't know. It depends on the boyfriend. If I was like, dude, he's a weak-ass loser, maybe I'll just be like, alright, I'm gonna tell my mom killed his mom. Take him <laughs> down a notch. Take him down a notch. You know? No, it's it's trickier. It's like, he's the one. He's the one. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I probably wouldn't be saying nothing. Okay. But if me, if me and my boyfriend were on, it depends, like, you know, like, is my boyfriend treating me well at that moment? Like, is he... Hmm. He, is. He... he he is but he has temper issues he has yeah. temper issues he like yells at her every once in a while that's the one thing like um you know a friend of mine said this to me years ago she was like i never tolerate yelling from a man and i was like oh that's a good rule to have because i've mm -hmm. been screamed at by certain boyfriends in my life and whenever mm -hmm. they screamed at me i felt like shit i felt awful yeah. 
And then um, after I heard her say that, I was like, oh, that's a good and empowering thing for me to take on as well. Like, I'll never tolerate yelling from a guy, you know, because like when yeah. a woman yells at a man, he usually doesn't end up dead, you know, whereas like when right. a man yells at a woman, that's the start to like beatings and murder yeah. potentially. Um, yeah. Or it's like if it's, you know, going both ways, like if you're yelling at each other, that's also another thing. But like, I mean, being unilaterally yelled at by a guy, like screamed at, that's happened to me so many, so many times in my past relationships that I was just like, okay, that's, I'll never yeah. tolerate that ever. Yeah, you know? never again. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's, it's surprising to me that you tolerated it when you did. But sometimes yeah. we, we do dumb shit in the name yeah. of love. In the name of love, like my mother murdered your mother, and yet we're together, right? Like, <laughs> right? Like that's their situation. It's like their oh, that yeah. is their that's their business, though. I mean, really, that's like, true. That like, is their fucking business. And I've had I, my mom has had my mom has had many issues and fights with my friends' moms and stuff. So like. The mom on mom jealousy and stuff can get real. What? Like, yeah. And not like maybe not jealousy. I don't know. My mom seems to think that everybody else's moms were like jealous of her. And I'm just like, <laughs> okay, mom. <laughs> were you a really great student? I was a good student. Yeah. Hmm. I started uh getting bad grades and I was in I was in honors science uh -huh. and once we got to so I did well with chemistry but then once we did physics I was like yeah. I'm out deuces yeah. I got I ended up getting a C in the class and I withdrew uh -huh. myself I just put put down the towel threw in mm. the towel so you were like I can't I can't do this and I can't tolerate a C yeah I can't tolerate a C it's uh, similar to, um, yeah, the other answers you gave, like, okay, just hide it. <laughs> Withdraw, hide, <laughs> push down. <laughs> well, yes. I mean, for the other answer where the... I want to I want to retract one of my past answers. Now. Okay. Right. So they're not all the same. All right. But I thought for the one where my older brother slipped and was drowning in ice, I'll yeah. probably just say I'm sorry. Oh. You know, for that. Like, yeah, I did do that. Mm. Own up. But it was cuz it was like cuz you added in the public and everything and I'm like, "Oh god." Right right like you gotta like you know that adds a different layer so i was like yes. but you know i think even if it were public i would probably still just be like you know yeah i'm like not gonna lie about doing that and mm -hmm. i'm sorry like you know one time i ran over my friend's finger with an ice skate and uh <laughs> i'm not gonna if she brought it up like if she brought it up on Facebook or something today and was like, remember that one time you skated over my finger and it bled and, and I yeah. was like, and I would probably be like, yeah, and I, and you remember when I said I was sorry about that? And then like, I'm also still sorry. <laughs> yeah. 
Wow, her finger stayed intact? Yeah. I, we were young. Like, we were 12 years old. So, I mean, I probably wasn't heavy enough to really rip it. I apologized for, like, hours. <laughs> so bad. <laughs> yeah. Well, you gotta forgive yourself now. If I forgive myself, I mean... <laughs> that's not funny. <laughs> yeah, you gotta hold it over your head till the day you die. <laughs> yeah. Just to make people laugh. <laughs> Keep thinking about it. Remember when you ran over your friend's finger with this? Fuck, dude! Oh! <laughs> I love how every time you laugh, you wipe your eyes with a Burger King napkin. <laughs> <laughs> it's because when I laugh, I, I start tearing. It's, yeah. it's a condition I have. I mean, everybody tears up yeah. a little bit when they laugh hard but like yeah. for me it's like every time I laugh I have tears coming down my eyes it's fucked up it, it's terrible <laughs> next week is going to be a real special week okay I'm going to be discussing a super duper old school K-drama called Star in My Heart also called Pyoru Negasume if you, if you already if you've seen this show you already know the song okay you already know the song that's in my heart alright it stars Anjiuk and the late great Chijinshi. Okay, uh, a lot of academics write that Winter Sonata is the first Hallyu drama, but that's debatable. Okay, Koreans call Star in My Heart the first Hallyu drama because China went buck wild over this show. All right, and this is a pretty special show. It's it's hard to find online. It's even you can't even find it on Drama Cool. That's how special it is. Okay, you can find some clips scattered around YouTube, but it's a show worth digging around for. So try and find it, try and watch it. And it's really fun to see how starkly it contrasts with today's K-dramas, like It's Okay Not To Be Okay, like Search WWW. I mean, if you see how passive these female characters are on Star In My Heart, you will be amazed. As always, if you have questions, email them to kdramaschool at gmail.com. You can visit the website, kdramaschool.com. And you can also follow K-Drama School on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. And you can subscribe. You can subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts. You could leave five stars. You could leave a nice review. And if you want to watch this show, you could watch it on YouTube. It's free. You can subscribe on YouTube. I'd really appreciate it if you would subscribe on YouTube. That way it'll increase my followers and I can finally change my YouTube subscriber name to K-Drama School. I'm dying to do that. But apparently I need like a hundred people to subscribe on YouTube. So please subscribe. My goodness, I'm begging you. As always, thank you for listening. I really appreciate you. And I will see you all next week. Bye.